Hey, do you enjoy Geeks of Grimdark? Do you wish we produced more Warhammer content? Well, check out our ongoing series with this week's sponsor, Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Axel and I have a reoccurring series with host Chris Shipman, where we introduce him to 40k factions, one at a time. And once you're all caught up with that, check out all the rest of his amazing interviews on your favorite podcasting site today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Turner Ulrich, and with me as always is... Shield brother, Axel Wright. How goes it? Well, uh, it goes it goes pretty well, generally. I have a little bit of stress, but things are going generally well. For those listening, there may be a ghost dog in the back of uh, my recording, uh, because I, I'm, there's a dog in my house right now that is... And then there's another dog, and they might be barking at each other, even though I'm keeping them separated. So, w- listeners, I'm warning. I, I will try to keep my mic muted while I'm not speaking to minimize the effect, but just, just letting you guys know. Long-time anyway. listeners are well aware of the podcast ghost. So Forrest Whitaker is in your house? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. See, there's another podcast ghost. How are you? Popping in all the place. I'm pretty good. I'm excited. I'm getting my first COVID vaccine here shortly. So I will be able to return to semi-normal life soon. Nice. I'm on I'm on the wait list right now. So my state just moved on to a new phase and I happen to fall within that phase. I fall within the phase that my state is in, but I don't think because I, I contacted like um a crush the curve kind of thing. And I don't think that they realize that I'm classified as an essential worker. So I might have to follow up with them. But anyway. Yeah. Let's stop talking about unpleasant things and talk about pleasant things. Our patrons, the people that like us so much, they choose to give us money so that we can keep doing this week to week. And in exchange, we list them here on the podcast. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Jesse Johnson, and Donna Lucy. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion and make that list a little bit longer, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode means you get early access to all our content. And so, today we have a recurring guest because we have a, we're doing a recurring segment, but guest who already made yourself known. Why don't you introduce yourself fully? I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't hear a voice. So, uh, you know, being, being a guy from fucking Boston and shit, right? Did you guys leave out your Thin Mints and Guinness for, uh, for Sully the Leprechaun yesterday? <laughs> Sully the Leprechaun. Because <laughs> uh, we're recording right after St. Paddy's Day, kid. We didn't get to have a fucking parade this year because of the COVID and shit. Leprechauns are immune to COVID, right? That's how that works. Magic. They're not Magical real. Creatures. They're not real like Eskimos. <laughs> oh, uh, God, no. Oh. Please that's one of my favorite that. Homer quotes. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, I actually, I didn't do, well, I'm not a big fan of St. Patrick's Day myself, but that's probably because of, you know what? It's a I'm a fan of fun, holiday. though. So I can say that, I can say that much. So <laughs> I'm sorry well, that we didn't get to have the same kind of fun we might normally have on said day. <laughs> yes. Well, I be drinking a Guinness and me name be Chris Chipman. And I'm here, and I'm here to talk about Marvel shit. So let's do this. Yeah, because if you're following, this is part two of our... I don't know how many parts this is going to be. We planned it out, but I don't remember offhand. But we're doing the the Marvel Cinematic Universe Smackdown. A Smackdown is a thing we normally do for just directors, where we figure out what the quintessential movie for a director is. Not the best one, but the one that is most indicative of that director's work. In this case, because we're talking about the MCU, we've split this into phases, where for each phase, we are figuring out what the quintessential movie in that phase was. If you didn't watch our part one. Well, probably should before watching this. So you know what? I was going to say what one in part one, but in case you're somehow watching this out of order, I'm not going to go go watch part one to hear what the winner of that fa- phase one was. Because today we're talking about phase two. Yeah. And just a couple quick clarifications, ground rules. All the Avengers movies are going to go compete in their own separate tournament because those are their own huge, big things. Also, I know that Marvel lists ant-man as a part of phase two but we are using avengers movies to bookend the phases and i don't care what they say a phase ends with an avengers movie not with what you tack on afterwards i I actually generally agree with that so i don't have a problem with this (laughs) yeah it, it didn't even jump out at me um as being an issue until uh we just mentioned it before recording that, oh, yeah, it man did technically. They tried show, it for the one. Yeah. I don't buy it because you don't go huge bombastic team up. 
and one more little movie to cap the phase. That's not how this works. You could argue that it's kind of like the um the 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 what's the term for it after you have the climax, the cool off. Yeah, but whereas phase one's cool off. Iron Man Enough. three, but I'm bump. Okay, well then, uh, why don't we get right in, into womp, it? Then. Womp. So that means we've got f- uh, four movies, only four to, to look at. We're talking at talking about Iron Man three, Thor two, The Dark World, Captain America two, The Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy. And as always, we do these in kind of a tournament style bracket kind of thing, depending on well, kind of depending on our opinions about things. So we go head to head two movies, and I'm I'm stealing I think Ulrich's job because I'm excited. So the the first bracket. That we will be discussing is Iron Man three versus Thor: The Dark World, which this won't be contentious at all. Is funny to me because I know that for two of us at least, two of one of each of these movies is our literal bottom of the MCU. In my case, Thor: The Dark World is my least favorite MCU movie. Period, and I know that in Ulrich's case, Iron Man three is his least favorite MCU movie. So. Yeah. And I feel like I've, I've talked about this at length on multiple things. If you want my full breakdown of why I don't like this, go check out our uh, popular films, other people like that we don't. I, well, I honestly, had a whole diatribe about Iron Man 3 that yeah, I'm not going to do here. So honestly, because we both have these feel, well, I feel like I'm not nearly as vitriolic about Thor The Dark World as Ulrich is about Iron Man 3, although I do feel like he's he's learned to chill about it in the last couple of years. Uh, but because that is the case, I am far more interested in, um, in hearing... Chris, you, you start, if you don't mind. Oh, of course. Um, I just was having a thought, and I was checking something while we were talking, because when was the Avengers released, the first one? Uh, 2012? Oh, I thought it was 2012, wasn't it? So, 2011, somewhere. So there. Iron Man 3 came out after it. Yeah. The entire point of Iron Man 3 is that Tony Stark's going through okay. PTSD. Okay, no, because we said, we said book ended with the Avengers. That it's, it's that Ant-Man was after um, Avengers shutting off. Yeah. Age of Ultron. There we go. I see that 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 shows how stupid I am. I forget Age of Ultron existed. Okay. Well, to be <laughs> so, fair, Civil War was more an appropriate Avengers two yep. than Age of Ultron was. Don't, but... don't mind me. I was just having a panic there for a minute before I <laughs> before I started talking about Iron Man three. So this this is a really interesting one. Um, it, it I don't dislike Thor: The Dark World as much as a lot of people. Um, it's definitely near the bottom, if not at the bottom of my list of the MCU. But there's no movie I really outwardly dislike in the MCU. Thor: The Dark World was just, you know, it it was kind of it was a placeholder, you know, like like we talked about with um, I think we had a movie and with Iron Man two, it kind of has the same thing. It's just kind of sitting there treading water. Um, whereas you know, movies that came later in both of these franchises did did a lot more. So I don't outright hate it. I actually really love the uh, the sequence near the end, which is basically Portal in movie form, um, where you know they're like throwing trucks and yeah, shit Portal at each Combat. other. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that. I thought that was inventive. It kind of set the movie apart from um, kind of the other things in the MCU. And we're still in that time period early on, and we we talked about this a lot on the last episode, where the movies are kind of getting their own feeling to them, so they're all still kind of having their own unique feel they haven't quite hit the oh that mcu everything's the same stride that everybody always uh, claims is going on in them right um so thor the dark world was just kind of it, it felt different but i wouldn't necessarily say different in a really unique way it was just different um i just sorry i know i, I yeah. know you said i want to hear what you have to say first but i do want to i do want to add to what you just said in that uh one of my problems with thor the dark world is that it I agree that it feels different from a lot of the, like I thought the whole treading water thing didn't quite work for me as well as it works for like Iron Man two. Cause Iron Man two, we say tread water because it's basically doing Iron Man one again. Right. This Whereas, one was more that it, when we, and again, maybe that's unfair to say that when we get later, there's not like the things that happen in Thor, the dark world that are important. They literally go back to in later movies because people, forgot I would also Thor, say the that, dark world. I would also say that Thor The Dark World is, in my opinion anyway, very different from Thor, whereas Thor to me feels like a heightened, well, Shakespeare kind of play yes. because of Kenneth Branagh. Thor The Dark World feels like, and I know for some people this might be considered a positive thing, and some people might be considered a negative thing. I'm mostly saying it as a negative, even though I don't inherently hate this person. It feels like MCU a la Christopher Nolan. No, and I agree. You're not wrong. No, I agree completely. It's the color palette. 
no, not just the color palette, but also the tone generally. I mean, yes, there are a handful of like good jokey beats in there. The, the, for me, the, the favorite scene is just Loki messing with Thor by changing into like Captain America and stuff and just joking at people. But for the most of the movie, it's very droll. It's bland. <laughs> it's bland. It's it, it. There's not. It's not really flashy. I remember being really excited for Christopher Eccleston as a villain because I'm a big fan of the Ninth Doctor. Oh, and, and he's Who, boring but... as hell in it. Yeah. And, anyway. and, and, and it's a bummer because I, I still enjoy it overall. It's just, yeah. Whereas Iron Man 3, and I know, you know, we've, we've, we, we like to joke with each other on this, but Iron Man 3, despite disagreements we could have on, you know, it being a good movie and it doing things well, it has that Avengers fallout stuff with Tony Stark that's so goddamn important to him as a character. And I, this is this is where I'm coming from. And to me, and to me, Iron Man 2, like we said, it did that treading water stuff with all the characters because it didn't really know what it was going to do. Seeing Tony Stark with PTSD kind of sets up, you know, what's going to happen later on pretty well. And, and I don't know, it just, to me, when we talk about importance to the rest of the series, out of these two movies, it all sits with Iron Man 3 because of that. Tony Stark's character in Iron Man 3, I really like. There's bits of it that people bring up, you know, the the Mandarin reveal, even though I think it is awesome, ruins the movie for a lot of people. And, you know, the, the red herrings and the switches and the flips and, you know, uh, the, the villain who isn't the Mandarin not really being that interesting, even though he's a great actor. Um, Things like that definitely get on a lot of people. But I don't know. I just I thought Iron Man 3 was a really refreshing injection into the MCU. And again, this is why I said this earlier on phases where they were bringing in directors getting to play with their own thing. It is all Shane Black. You know, the the jokes, the tone, the uh, the the way the actors are handled. It, It didn't feel like it was, you know. Kevin Feige and the folks at Disney telling them what movie to make. And so it still felt a little raw and dangerous and like it could surprise you. And I don't know. It's what I've always enjoyed about it. And I know it's what some people don't. But I think when you put it up against Thor The Dark World, it's Iron Man 3 all day. So I want to be upfront that I'm pretty sure no matter which one wins this, I think we can all agree it's very, very unlikely that either one of these movies would win against either Winter Soldier or Guardians of the Galaxy. No, definitely not. That's the title match here. So I want to be very clear about... This is the thing. Anytime Iron Man 3 gets brought up, I'm always touchy because... Honestly, I feel like I have PTSD from my initial conversations with Ulrich about it. So, because obviously I'm going to vote for Thor the Dark World... or No, sorry. I'm obviously going to vote for against Thor the Dark World here because of my feelings on it. But I want to also be like... All right, maybe we can, because it sounds like if I if I end up doing that and we vote Iron Man three, and maybe we can avoid uh, Ulrich anger by basically being like, yeah, but we know it's not going to win this phase anyway. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it will be cool to talk about it alongside which one happens in the next bit. Because I think the most important thing you just said, Chris, as far as I'm concerned, is when it comes to importance to because what were the three? Okay, we said um, there were three attributes, right? That uh, that we have to figure out. They are um, importance to the phase, importance to the entire MCU, and what was the third one? You remember? Oh God! I think it's uh-huh. a representation of Marvel. Like, does this? If I showed this to you, is this representative? Yeah, of you no, know, that's exactly. This, it. Oh, that's right. So, so it's, where where it's, is and that, and that's where you know we ruled out you know certain movies because they were they were two on their own. You know. Yeah. Okay, so then if we look if we look at that here, if I think about you mentioned how like okay, Thor the Dark World has some stuff that's important, particularly, you know, the Aether is is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but honestly, that's really as far as I can tell, the only thing you could theoretically say Loki's escape is important, but that's really only important to Thor Ragnarok later. <laughs> and well, and it's funny because Ragnarok and the later Avengers films revisit the th- themes that were important about this movie, so you don't have to watch it. And I thought that was kind of silly. Yeah. Whereas I would say uh, the the thing I like that you said the most was that because I've so I know some people don't like Tony Stark's PTSD in Iron Man three because they feel like it's not I don't know uh, what, what's the term I, the, the, the argument I've heard is that it's not a genuine or realistic portrayal of PTSD which to me never worked as an argument because to me it's like this feels like a realistic portrayal of 
what Tony Stark would have. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Tony Stark is not a realistic human being. Like the closest we could maybe get is if you got to see like what would happen if Elon Musk actually had feelings and that's <laughs> not, we're never going to see that because he yeah, doesn't. Yeah. You know? And so because of that, the fact that Iron Man three basically sets up what I'm going to call um, the, the real savior complex that drives Tony in civil war and infinity war and eventually in Endgame uh, is largely like, it begins in Avengers, obviously, where, you know, he saves New York. And then this is about him dealing with with that. And it's the start of, like, how, for like a term, addicted to that he becomes eventually in, like, Civil War. And, so. and I think, and, and I think you know, that's a really important point that you put there. I think that coming off of Avengers and the fact that Avengers, despite us realizing with Age of Ultron and, and Joss Whedon that... Maybe his tone was perfect for the Avengers, but redoing that wasn't going to work again. The Avengers blended really jokey stuff in with really heavy shit. Like the that movie had did a great job of like, oh crap, stuff's going to change forever. And this movie was, you know, the fallout of that. And I can see people taking the third act jump of Iron Man 3 as kind of taking the piss out of that a little bit. You know, because up till that point, mm-hmm. it was about Tony Stark dealing with what had just happened. Um, and then they go into, you know, the Mandarin subplot and the silliness of all that. But I don't know to me, to me overall, it just still works really well because of those first couple acts of Tony just kind of existing in what the world is now. And I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, sorry. No, no, I totally, I totally agree. I, I just, I, I got distracted by the, the ghost dog behind me. <laughs> no worries. Uh, Again, Forrest Whitaker, man. I didn't know you knew him. I want to hang out. <laughs> all right. So, um, keeping in mind everything I said before, Ulrich, give us your two cents. I'm not really going to weigh in too much here, because on the one hand, I've said all I really want to say about Iron Man 3. I'm going to end up repeating it a lot throughout. I'll save it there. I have a soft spot for Thor The Dark World, because one, I like Thor. This movie doesn't work for reasons we talked about, you know, when we did a whole buckler on Thor and why, you know, not letting Thor have magic really hamstrung those first two movies. So I guess I will say that mm-hmm. the one thing that everyone overlooked that I do feel is a crime is no one talks about Rene Russo as Frigga and the tragic, you oh, know, death scene yeah. and how gut wrenching that is and how that because you have that, it's that much more heartbreaking when in uh, Endgame Thor has to go back and he tries to warn her. Oh, my God. I'll. You, I, you know, you know, Ulrich, this doesn't turn the tide for me, but it really makes the battle that much closer with the reminder of that. Well, I, can I everyone ask, wants I, to I, say there's nothing good in Thor of the Dark World. Like, there's a lot of good in Thor of the Dark World. That's a heartbreaking scene. Her send-off is so beautiful. I want to ask, though, Ulrich, about that, because I don't disagree with you that that scene is really good, and the payoff in Endgame is amazing. So the question is, why don't we remember it very why don't most people remember that why doesn't it stand out if the rest of the movie if a lot of the movie is problematic except the twist seriously what do people remember from iron man 3 except the twist because that has never been referenced three myself but that's like yeah we're we're, we're talking layman's terms i don't think people remember iron man 3 because iron man 3 has never been referenced in any capacity in the MCU again, but they keep going yeah, back to what are you talking, hold on, hold on. You're, you're absolutely incorrect. I mean, just the fact that they brought the kid in for Tony Stark's funeral. And alone. everyone went, wait, who's that kid? Not me. I knew who he was. Yeah, I went, I went, holy shit. I've been waiting for him to show back. That up. was a I, big thing. I thought he was going to end up out. being Peter Parker for a little while. Yeah. No, Peter Parker's an Iron Man too. I know. I know. No, everyone, that, that was a thing. Everyone, wait, who was the kid? Because no one remembers Iron Man 3 outside of the controversy of the Mandarin, which doesn't even matter anymore because they're recasting that for uh, Shang-Chi. And everyone had a pissing fit when they announced that one because it was ruining the integrity of Iron Man 3. Like, that was a thing. I don't know. I mean, to me, I, mean, I feel like the- Iron Man, as, as much as we talked about how great Iron Man 1 was for setting up you know, a lot of the later stuff, even though, you know, that that went the way that it did. To me, Iron Man 3, visually and aesthetically, is the Iron Man movie I always remember because I really liked how it looked. I liked that that first big action sequence with the destruction of, of his place. And I liked how hard hitting and unrelenting it was at the beginning with just kind of ruining frickin' Tony's lunch, you know, over also, and over and over again. I don't know. Yeah, I, I When I think of Iron Man 3, the first thing I think of is what I call James Bond Tony Stark. Yes. Which is 
a thing that I'm a big fan of, which is him outside the suit, just using his essentially higher level MacGyverisms to to do stuff. I I also think of not even that. It's a taser. I also think of what I um I actually kind of blame uh uh Chris's brother for this, but I I also think of what I refer to as the Superman rescue scene, but without Superman. (laughs) Yep. And and of course, I think of because I remember having a lot of arguments with this. Um, people were like, "If Tony Stark is so smart, why does he make such a dumb decision, like giving out his his address and challenging the Mandarin directly?" And like he's he's an engineering genius, but he's also an alcoholic and an egotist, and of course he would. And <laughs> so. human, and a public figure. That's that was thing. never a good argument. Yeah, I don't so know, I'm just saying that like I our... think of a lot of stuff in Iron Man three, whereas in Thor two, the only stuff I think about is I think about the Loki scene, I think about Portal combat. I think about being disappointed by Eccleston's Malekith, and now I'll think about the the mom scene, obviously. But I, honestly, right now I can't remember it at we all. Get well, I can't this, hear, as soon we as Ulrich mentioned Thor on it, I remember Earth, it. We get Loki on the throne. We get establishing that we. I will say, no one talks about this, but the production design of Thor: The Dark World was awesome in that they made chainmail throw pillows to really establish that these are a Viking society. Yeah, my biggest problem with the with with again that movie is all these things you say. I remember like seeing trailers and pictures and stuff leading up to it, and like expecting to just like be blown away by this movie. And it was really the way that they filmed it that really it it just it felt. And, and I don't mean this as a negative to this show. I mean I, I think people that worked on it were Game of Thrones people, right? Yeah, it, it just felt very television and washed out. Well, Thor: The Dark World has two major problems. One. They do not, they go back to Earth, and Earth is always a boring setting in the Thor movies. That's why Thor, that's Thor Ragnarok's biggest strength. It spends barely any time on the Thor movies. Problem two, Natalie Portman didn't want to be there, and it shows. Oh yeah, God, she's she's Bruce Willis bored. Yes, and that <laughs> that really, when, Chris Hemsworth can only do so much, when you're, you know, romantic interest is like, nope, don't want to be here, I'm here because also- I'm contractually obligated to. Well, also, more than probably any movie in the MCU, Thor The Dark World is the one that holds back Chris Hemsworth from being a comedian. Because, again, yeah. it's a la Christopher yeah. Nolan. And Chris Hemsworth has such good comedic timing that when you let him use it is when MCU Thor works best, in my opinion. And it's, it's I don't why, like funny Thor. I well, like it's, Shakespeare it's why, Thor. It's why Ragnarok took me two viewings to enjoy the first time I watched it. And I, and I love Taika Waititi. And the first time I watched it and I went, ah, this is too jarringly different. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? We'll we'll, we'll get to that. that one. Yeah, no, just that that's that's you know that was a problem for me the first time through. Um, cool. Don't get me wrong. I love I love badass I love badass Chris Hemsworth Thor as well. But f- but for me, since we've talked about before how MCU Thor is not comic book Thor really at all, he's really his his own creation. I mean, they all are to some extent, but Thor feels more like it than any other MCU character, as far as I'm concerned. And so for me, that particular characterization works best when he's getting to use his comedic timing. And I don't just mean like funny Thor, like making jokes like in Ragnarok, but even little things like his fight with, we're not talking about Avengers right now, but his fight with Iron Man and Avengers is hilarious. It's awesome, but partly it's hilarious because of like how he is speaking and just, anyway. All right, so anyone going to flip their vote or we just move on to the next one? No, but your your point brought it much closer and I appreciate that. (laughs) For me, the, the big thing, the big tipping point, why I think regardless of movie quality, I think that the characterization of Tony Stark and Iron Man 3, whether you like it or not, is important to more future movies than anything in Thor The Dark World is to future movies. So, Bingo. All right. right. Well, then, uh, I guess um, this is my job this time, I guess, because I took it on myself, so I should continue. So Iron Man 3 is going to take the our first bracket, and even though we already know it's going to lose, we're just going to have a conversation about it because we are professionals, kind of, quote-unquote. Anyway, so... Bracket two is Winter Soldier versus Guardians of the Galaxy. And right off the bat, I want to say that this feels like an apples and oranges comparison. So yeah, I have is. a hard I'm going to have a hard time with this. So, oh, I don't know. I I'll start with this one because I don't know where to go, because on the one hand, if we're using the criteria of Guardians sets up the cosmic end but it doesn't play into anything really in this phase. And it sets up Thanos, kind of. So there's that. But Winter Soldier just furthers Captain America and takes out shields. So does anyone have, like, a starting point? I have I have a starting point. I'm not saying that this is my vote, 
because I don't I honestly don't know what my vote is. We just need some place to kick so, off from. Yeah, here's my first kickoff. Winter Soldier is more important to the phase two Avengers movie than Guardians of the Galaxy is simply by yeah. the fact that the Guardians of the Galaxy have zero presence in Age of Ultron, whereas Winter Soldier's breaking down of S.H.I.E.L.D. into Hydra is the entire starting point for Age of Ultron. That'd be a very good point. Um, so, yes, if, if we were going off of the what gets the point for this phase, because that's one of our three criteria, it's Winter Soldier all day long. Um, my, my starting off point in in what makes these films different is, yes, story-wise, Winter Soldier is way more important, but... As far as the overall MCU, this is where I get into the, you know, things we've done in prior Smackdowns of what movie is more important to the feel and the tone. If you show somebody one of these movies, are they going to get what's going on in the rest of these films out of it? And Winter Soldier is one of the best films in the entire MCU. It is brilliantly directed it's incredibly well acted it's one of the best superhero films period it's it's so (laughs) damn tightly edited um it it hits really hard it feels very dangerous you know um you get to see someone who you know you basically get to see superman like right like the captain america at the end of that first movie is just like holy shit you know this guy's unstoppable and you get to see like him taken out at every turn and have to fight for what he believes in Sorry, Chris, can I for a moment? Because you said something that I wasn't expecting yeah. to actually bring up here, but I've been saying this for years. And, and here's what here's what I mean. I defend Superman at any opportunity because I feel like Superman is the hero among my generation most in need of defense. Because yeah, he, he's, he's super important. Superhero. Yeah, he's super important. And I used to hey, when I was in high school, that hipster my brain, I used to say Superman was boring and you couldn't make Superman interesting because I was uninformed back then. And then I started actually looking into, you know, writing techniques and the good Superman stories like Superman All-Star or Superman uh, Four Seasons or uh, Red Sun. Uh-huh. And I start and I started realizing how what makes Superman good and how you make good Superman stories. And one of the most important things about that is that generally speaking, the appeal uh, or at least the stakes or the, the, the what's happening in Superman stories isn't about Superman himself, but about the world that Superman exists in. It's about putting someone who is a absolute paragon for good and capable of solving any situation into a quote unquote real world and exploring what effects he has on that world. And by that token, I have been saying that Winter Soldier is the best Superman movie to not feature Superman. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it's doing the same thing. Captain America is an absolute paragon for good, stuck in an inherently corrupt situation who proceeds to start molding and mutating said situation by his very presence. Exactly. And, And so, you know, with that being said, you get this... You trip me up and that's okay because it's it's just such a good point. But um, no no no, that's right. You you basically you you get to see you know the Superman of this thing you know have have his knees taken, have his you know shins taken out. Right. It's it's all about him fighting and learning that his beliefs might not necessarily be what the beliefs of the world that he's supposed to be backing up and the you know American you know whatever like you know he finds out that Shield is Hydra. You know this 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 movie does so many great things like that. But when you take it. In the grand scheme of what it means as a comic book film now, not a superhero film, but as a comic book film, particularly a Captain America film and a film that fits in with the MCU, I feel like it's one of the weaker films in here in that respect because it's so serious and because Captain America got to be, you know, the comic book Captain America in the first Avenger and then got to show up in the Avengers. And we did all the jokes of him existing in nowadays and getting to fit in with that. And then this movie goes and goes, okay, now we're going to stick him in a metal gear solid movie, which is <laughs> fine. Oh yeah, it's it per- totally is. It's perfectly fine. And I love it. But when you take that and then you compare it to guardians of the galaxy and try to say to somebody, Hey, we're going to put an MCU movie in a time capsule and we're going to give you something that feels like the MCU. If the only movie available to them was winter soldier, it leaves out so much. Yeah. And I don't mean, and I don't mean story-wise because it's really important. Story-wise tone, thematic fun, you know, um, those things it's, it's, 
a lot like a Chris Nolan movie, but not in the way we said Thor The Dark World was. It's a lot like a Chris Nolan yeah. movie in that it's very self-serious and has a very dark air and tone to it, and everything hits very realistically. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy, on the other hand, we have to give it credit for... They, they pulled the Avengers twice, right? They... Only an Avengers movie. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? The, no, the I Avengers... mean, I was literally thinking the same thing because we, so we agreed, we're just going to put this to the side that Winter Soldier gets the point for uh, more important in the face. Yes. But, yes. but I immediately followed it in my brain. But Guardians of the Galaxy definitely is more important, I think, to the MCU as a whole, especially because it's got, it introduces the cosmic element and all that stuff, which becomes much more important in the Infinity Saga that Winter Soldier has nothing to do with. But also, Guardians of the Galaxy feels more like what I think the entirety of the MCU feels like, yes. where it's got some stakes. Obviously, an entire planet is at risk, but it's also got this fun like aspect where everything is just kind of... we got great soundtrack. we got goofy characters that... Uh, there's even this idea, and I, I haven't put this in a full thought yet, but Guardians is built on the idea of taking these disparate characters who don't have a reason to work together, putting them in a situation where they then have to work together, figuring out they find surrogate family in said working together and save the day through the power of friendship and or family, which is a theme you could argue is the entire theme of the MCU as a whole, and especially yes. the Avengers movies themselves. So. Yes, and, and, no, and, and that's, that's an incredibly important point because any one of these films any film that we've talked about up to this point required some sort of prior knowledge, right? For, for people to show up, right? Especially the Avengers. And we haven't got to the Avengers yet, but if you, if you talk about the branding, they were able to say, this is guardians of the galaxy. It's a movie that takes place in the MCU. It's a Marvel movie and have nothing in it that they could show people that ties to anything they've watched up to this point and people showed up, which leads me to the point that you can take guardians of the galaxy to someone who's never seen a movie in this entire series. And you'll be able to gauge if they're going to be able to dig anything else in all of the MCU with how they respond to guardians of the galaxy. See Chris right there. You just kind of stake the argument for me because Guardians of the Galaxy feels like an MCU movie, and it's this big, bold, creative risk that pays off. But if I didn't tell you it was an MCU movie, would you know it's an MCU movie? No, because it basically does an entire phase self-contained within one film. Yeah, and but that's one of our criteria. Does this represent the... Well, hold on, hold on. Just to be, let's be clear, because we've been really iffy on this. I think it is, we're saying, uh, quintessential to the phase, quintessential to the MCU as a whole, and representative of... Well, actually, the third one is still, like, very... So, like, if we're trying... I, we, I, I think it's... I think with the third one we were going with... Because we used it for, for Captain America. I forget the word that we said, but it's what feels like the brand, what feels like the comic. If you think of the MCU, if you think of Marvel, if you think of these characters, it's representing that. You know, because yeah, I think I think the the important questions, right, which are the other two criteria, come down to like, okay, let's say someone watches the movie we chose to win the phase one, then they watch the Avengers, now they watch one movie here and then they're going to watch age of Ultron. That's that sequence that comes down to the like, all right, what's important to the phase. And then you follow that up with, okay. And then you're watching whatever the winner is for phase three, that, and then that Avengers that comes down to important to the MCU. And then the third criteria is, yeah, I think what you're saying is like representative of the brand most representative of it comes down to the basic question of the SmackDown, as you said. If we're if we're time capsuling something, yeah, so. it's 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 how we ended up with um what we ended up with for Spielberg, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's you, you go the, that's that one. It's the if if someone sees only one thing, and that's why you know for me Guardians wins that point because it's self-contained. <sighs> It, I, right, but I, hold on, I want to hear I want to hear more Ulrich was saying. I feel like I yeah, I, I, no, I, I agree. I agree. So. I just wanted to say that that's my reasoning for why it gets that point. But I want to yeah. hear Ulrich because on the one hand, Guardians of the Galaxy, that was the one we were all convinced was going to fail. Like, there's no way you take the tree and the raccoon and the wrestler and you make a good movie with a guy that's done nothing but B grade schlock. That yep. just that doesn't work, but it does. And I think when this whole experiment's over, we're going to look back and see some of these ones that are like, 
man, you remember when they gave James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy and we thought that was too weird and he made it work? Remember the Eternals? Remember Indy's work? So there's that in its favor. But also, if you take it in its own little capsule and I show it to you, it's like, oh, this is a fun, cool, boppy space movie. This is really fun. Oh, it's supposed to be a superhero movie? I don't really see that. Whereas Winter Soldier is, it is that. It is a comic book movie. It is a superhero movie. It is... It's not a comic book movie. It's a superhero movie. I would argue that that the only thing that makes Captain America the Winter Soldier a superhero movie, really, is the the fact fact that Captain America is wearing a superhero costume. You put him him in a suit. He punts people off boats. I know, but my point is, if you put him in a suit in the whole movie instead, it's it's a James Bond movie. And I say that in a positive way. No, no, it's the Dark Knight. It's the Dark Knight over again. If the Dark Knight did not have Batman and Joker in it, it's not a superhero movie. That's and I oh, don't. Okay. This is not I a negative. Say, I wouldn't say that Winter Soldier is the dark, but I get I get what you're no, trying no. to get at. But it has Winter, a similar thing going on though. This is this is how I, how I rated my movies is how good of a superhero movie it is and how good of a comic book movie it is. Winter Soldier does not feel like I'm watching a movie that jumped off the page of a comic. Winter Soldier feels like a superhero movie. Do you, the, do you see the difference there? Guardians of the Galaxy feels like a comic book. It doesn't feel like a superhero movie because they're not really superheroes. It's something a little would, different. I would argue too that, that, that Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy is definitely the first, not the Avengers movie that felt that way for me in the MCU. And again, I like a lot of, I, I like all of Phase One, but I, I think I get what he's saying because there is something like to me. I've always said that um, you know things like thor ragnarok feels more like a comic book movie to me than a lot of other stuff uh in this does something like and it's with live action it's harder to get obviously guards the galaxy has that feeling yeah winter soldier okay i can maybe see it feels like a comic but it feels like a different kind of comic like um right not a marvel comic and what we're talking about is the mcu yeah but i've read a I've got a good collection of marvel comics and i'm not sure i have anything that fits within the brand sure of... okay Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, even X-Men and Fantastic Four doesn't ever really get to that cosmic weird... True. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute there, because X-Men comics well, this is a where they because they're really the cosmic thing. <laughs> let me, let they me... They do get weird, but it's not the same kind of weird well, as Guardians. No, no, Spi- sp- sp- depending on if you want to accept things like Venom and anything with the Fantastic Four is something that we want to consider here. Those get to Guardians of the Galaxy level shit all the time. But, um... Stepping back for a minute, I don't know if we want to utilize this criteria now, but I just want to throw it out there and we can we can cut it if you don't think it's a worthy argument. But Winter Soldier and the next Captain America film that comes after it both feel like they're made by the same people. Remember, I think Winter Soldier might have been the first film that these two guys direct, right? It is. One of they the went from community, Russo they brothers? From community yeah. to this. Yeah, and again, this is not to take anything away from the Russo brothers, but they're learning how to make films almost as they go through the MCU, which is cool because they're able to be massaged and molded into what the MCU wants them to be. But this movie and then um, Civil War after it, have a very similar through line, even though Civil War gets a lot more comic booky than Winter Soldier yeah. did. But let me tell you this: Infinity War and Endgame do not have any of their tone without Guardians of the Galaxy, and yeah. it's not just because the Guardians are in it. Those movies definitely picked something the Guardians had that they made work and utilized that in the way that they let that movie be edited they... and let it be paced. It it feels. Like it learned from them and was informed by them, which is really cool to me. And I, I don't right. mean I don't mean that's an argument to make it better than the other one. I mean it's an argument about the importance of you know this whole unit that I we're got, talking about. Can I, Two can arguments I ask a we can bounce for either one of them. Oh, go go ahead, Ulrich. I'll ask my question after. Guardians proved that audiences will follow the weirdness wherever yes. it may lead. They'll get you can have a 12 foot Peter Dinklage and call him a dwarf and people go, oh, yeah, well, I guess dwarf is relative to things. And that works. Winter Soldier proved that Captain America belonged in the Avengers because that first Avengers, he kind of punches people and they kind of fall down in Winter Soldier. He's drop kicking people off ships and they're flying like, oh, he really is a super soldier. He's not just, you know, James Bond. He's not Batman. This dude hits like a Mack truck. That's fair. That's very fair. I, I've got. Yeah, I've got. I got two questions. 
So because I I initially was like, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is more important to the MCU. But I did. I said that based on a tone thing, which I think is exactly what Chris is trying to get at. But if I take a step back from that feeling and think about narratively, like if we're doing this whole like limited viewing kind of run thing, is there if someone watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2 without watching Guardians of the Galaxy 1, is anything really lost? And I say that as someone who loves both those movies. No. Now, on the other hand, not watching Winter Soldier, true or false, messes up Civil War, which is integral to how Cap functions in Infinity War as well. Oh, I agree. It's the reason reason we picked Iron Man 3 in the... (laughs) Right? Especially because I just thought about Bucky, because like you cannot you cannot watch Guardians and then the Guardians can show up in Guardians 2 and that movie still works completely well because like, oh, it's just a group of space people and they do crazy stuff. But losing the entire story of Bucky turning into the Winter Soldier and then if for some reason like Civil War is the next one you watch and you haven't seen Bucky become the Winter Soldier, I feel like you completely lose the entire emotional context there, which makes Captain America's decisions, which are integral to where he is in Infinity War, suddenly don't work. So No, I mean, and, and this is this is exactly why this conversation is great to have, because Winter Soldier narratively is probably the most important movie in the MCU. Yeah, it sets all the dominoes up. And it's it, funny it, that means that we're basically comparing the most narratively important movie against the most, the most tonally, tonally important movie. So, oh god, okay, but okay, but remember, and I don't. This shouldn't be the reason we sway one away over the other. But both of these films have another chance in other phases to have films that represent the same things they do. But because of that. To me, Winter Soldier takes it because we get Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to talk about. And if you're talking about a time capsule, if Guardians of the Galaxy 1 or 2 end up in it, you get the same tonal stuff. Yeah, I was going to cast my vote. Winter Soldier wins because it sets up the dominoes, because it puts the characters in play, and because Guardians of the Galaxy 2 does what... Guardians of the Galaxy does, but more in that it's like, okay, so there's a tree man and a raccoon man you're going to love, but there's also Kurt Russell, and he's a planet, and you're going to, you know, have complicated feelings about that. I would also say... And we'll get into that one, because I'm going to be a sobbing mess talking about that movie. (laughs) I'd also say, so, since I made that the argument, right, uh, the, the Iron Man 3 argument and the Winter Soldier argument of, hey, Tony Stark and Captain America's characterizations in these movies are super important to the the follow-up i literally feel like those are the only two characters that argument works for don't get me wrong i love thor i love hulk and whatnot but at the end of the day the infinity saga if it has it doesn't have a protagonist it has duo antagonists which are captain america and tony stark which i love all these other characters but i feel like they are really central to the entire through line and keeping and keeping their particular and not just because the Civil War pit them directly against each other, but you look through the movies that don't have them even, and like their specific effects and their existence are kind of central to the entire enterprise. Now, so I think that the 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 movie that has the characterization that is vital for Captain America, I think is more important here. One thing I do want to mention in Guardians of the Galaxy's favor real quick that I was going to say is that Ulrich mentioned the whole like, oh, is, this doesn't seem like it should work, but it does. That's yet another reason why Guardians of the Galaxy actually is uh, an Avengers again, because Avengers had the same kind of thing going on. But anyway, it's just a, a comment that I wanted to make. But at the end of the day, I yeah, I think that even though Guardians of the Galaxy is more in line with the entire MCU tonally, it's, I think, a, a good representation of the entire MCU. I think it's, good, it's a good representation. I think that... Winter Soldier wins both the other points of yeah, being it does. more important to the phase and more important to the MCU as a whole. It does. And, sen- and since they're never going to get pitted against each other, because we're doing all of the Avengers films as their own thing, um, I would say that if this team up, if this matchup right here were Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Avengers, I would give it to Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm talking first Avengers now. Not not any Ooh, of the ones that went through. So, and 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 again, this is just I just wanted to throw it out there. It has nothing to do with this SmackDown. It's just because it does what the Avengers took. Remember, the Avengers is putting together at least three superheroes that people knew. Like people know Incredible Hulk, 
People know Captain America and people know Iron Man after Iron Man came out, right? That's Thor, you know, maybe people didn't see the, the, the first Thor film. You know, we talked about this a little in the last SmackDown, but they're established. It still took them a bunch of movies to feel confident enough that the Avengers was going to make money and people were still unsure until you sat in the theater in that first five minutes and you're like, they, they stuck the landing. I knew five minutes into the Avengers that it was just going to work. It was like, holy shit, Guardians of the Galaxy... <laughs> Sitting in the theater waiting for it to start up, I was there because I liked the trailers, you know what I mean? But I I know these characters, I've read comics with them in them, but I had no idea what I was in store with. And just that opening credits bit, I went, holy shit, like, whatever this is, I'm on board. You know what I, I thought mean? I walked into the wrong theater with that opening. Yeah, I was, and it just worked for me. And so, an audience has ate it up. And you know, I actually, like, there's an interesting thing here where we talked about how I think Winter Soldier is a a better film. I like, I, I I like guardians of the galaxy more personally because it's got that kind of more goofy and full MCU representation. So this is a case where like the movie that I like more, I do think is not the winner. And it's a weird kind of thing for me to feel, you know? Well, here's, here's an interesting thing. Um, and again, we already picked it's, it's winter soldier, but learning curve as a film. and, And I don't know if that's the right word, but what the movie is doing, what what um what hurdles the movie needs to jump over to work. Winter Soldier proved that one of these films can be really, really serious and hard hitting. Like because the rest of the movies, you know, you didn't care. You, you cared about the characters, but the villains in the first Avengers, you know, are are you know kind of like one note, just digital things that we beat the crap out of. But Winter Soldier makes it very personal. And you care when bad shit happens in it. And you want to see, like, you know, when, when Bucky and, and Cap are, are fighting and it's it's nasty. And, he, you know, it just, the movie's just really intense. And that's a big hurdle to jump because tonally up to that point, they were a lot more fun. And getting kids, remember, that's a big part of this genre. Getting kids who don't have good attention spans to still show up and love the Winter Soldier was quite a balancing act. Guardians of the Galaxy, on the other hand, has to introduce, like, what, eight brand new characters that you don't know about and do enough backstory that you love all of them within the first 15 minutes. That's a crazy hurdle to jump to. And I used to think that that made Guardians of the Galaxy a more ambitious and, like, the more difficult film of the two to get right. But the more we talk about The Winter Soldier, I realized that when that came out, The Winter Soldier was a big gamble, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for being something so different. Yeah, than it was a big gamble. Doing. And, and to, you know, we, we can look at it and go, well, they've done so much more like it, you know, now. So, of course, it was going to work. But no, sitting in the theater the first time with the Winter Soldier and being like, what's going on here? Why is well, this an espionage good. movie? You, you could know? also argue, and I think this is an interesting argument, and I, I uh, we've already decided here, but I still I got more to say about this. So you could also argue that Winter Soldier created a not a play necessarily, but a a particular format that I think is the again because it's the Russo brothers, but is what makes or is like almost the prototype for what they would end up doing in Infinity War, like yeah, tonally and what's going on with uh, the characters and how it ends. I feel like Winter Soldier was the beginning of that. Was the reason why they could do what they did in Infinity War. I also want to say with Guardians of the Galaxy, one thing I didn't get to say is that. Because uh, the ending, the Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like is easily the most represent, like the single most representative scene of any scene, I think, in the MCU. The fact that your main characters beat the villain literally by holding hands, it sounds really cheesy, but I think it's super, super important. They freaking and... Care Bear stare him, man. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but the point is that I think it's extremely important, and that's why it's like I have a hard time, even though we're all agreeing at this point this Winter Soldier, I just want, it's like super important to me to give Guardians of the Galaxy its due, because I think it's it's ex- like, it's like when I say that Winter Soldier wins the two points, and then Guardians of the Galaxy wins the one point, that one point it does win is like really fucking important yeah no when you weigh it it's like this is like a a 51 to a 49 still in percentage points yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) okay so now 
that means that that comes to Iron Man three versus Winter Soldier. Now we've all agreed basically Winter Soldier is almost it, like unless some crazy argument comes out, Winter Soldier is going to win this. So I think the important thing to have here is the discussion, at least as far as I'm concerned, about the importance to Tony Stark's characterization and the importance to Captain America's characterization. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's what's really going on here. Is if I if if my premise that these are the two characters that are most central to the Infinity Saga as a whole, uh, and that these two movies are integral to their their journeys ending in Endgame and Infinity War, then how do they compare to each other and in, in an importance and effect? Because, like, you look at why Tony Stark does what he does versus like the entire thing with Bucky. And I feel like to me, as someone who didn't read Captain America comics, I, I, I think it's interesting that Bucky became so integral to the Infinity Saga. <laughs> that was kind of a surprise to me, but it's something that I really love in, in hindsight. So but anyway, you get my point that I feel like this is the conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. Um be wrong. If you have more you want to talk about, that's fine. I'm just saying like this is what I think the the interesting comparison is. Yeah. No, I'll just kind of go back to my point. Iron Man 3's greatest contribution to the MCU as a whole is negligible at best because you want to argue, well, Tony is the way he is in Infinity War or in Age of Ultron, in Civil War, in Infinity War because of Iron Man 3. Like, no, because his vision that gets him going to build Ultron in Age of Ultron is what if we failed against the invasion of the Chitauri back in Avengers? But that was the... That's what he was struggling with in Iron Man 3, though. I'll grant it to you. You don't need Iron Man 3 to get there because they go, they have him go through all that again in Ultron. Yeah, but by the end of Iron Man 3, it's kind of like one time it was implied that he's retired because he destroys all his suits. He takes out his chest implant. He's all set to retire. So is this really the man that feels he needs to build the suit of armor around the world? By the end well, of Iron Man me, 3? Let, let, let me give this argument for Iron Man 3. I don't feel like Tony's, spoiler alert, ending scene in Endgame and the emotional through line with Pepper in that movie works with Iron Man 3. I don't... Uh, continue. Elaborate on that, please. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know no, if I no, feel it, but I'm interested in it. No, no. So, and, and I don't mean fully, because they, they do more... Remember, she she's a very, very low-rung secondary character anyway, but I remember sitting in the theater with Endgame and going, holy shit, they're really making me feel this. Like, she brought her A-game, and so did he, you know, for those scenes. But the the final act of Iron Man 3, even though it is one of the most dated looking cgi sequences in any of these movies because they just did way too much it's still a lot of fun it has a very sam raimi thing going on you know with the rope with the the suits and the saving and the you know it, it just I, I really enjoyed like the perpetual motion machine of that but there's emotion to what goes on between him and pepper the like the he's trying to save her but it also might be the creation of the robots that got them in trouble in the first place and i feel like that relationship is set up very importantly there where they didn't really do much in the other two iron man movies as much with that now granted this is true she's in more of iron man 3 than she's in any of the other films so there is that i just feel like looking back on it like going back and watching iron man 3 after seeing infinity war and endgame and seeing that wow i actually feel this relationship is meaningful more than oh i'm really sad that I'm not going to see, you know, Robert Downey Jr. anymore. It's like, oh, no, shit. Like, the life he was trying to have, you know, after the snap and everything made more sense because it was the life he had hoped that he was going to have at the end of Iron Man 3 by giving up those suits. And it, it just, it, it paralleled really well for me. And I don't think it's as strong at all as anything with Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I feel like you could go almost right from Winter Soldier to Infinity War Maybe almost. You kind of need Ultron a little bit or Civil War, but there's not much more you need to do with Captain America. This movie sets up, you know, the he it sets up his viewpoint and his unflinching goodness that he has and how that's different than what the world or a human might do because he's above that. He's just pure good, you know, um, whereas Tony needs a couple more movies to really build how he's going to act. I would say that because Ulrich, you said something that uh 
that I do disagree with because you literally asked a question that I had the opposite answer. You said, uh, is the Tony Stark 3 or is Tony Stark at the end of Iron Man 3 the one who wants to wrap armor around the world? And I actually think that yes, because to me, um, a big part of what's going on in Iron Man 3, and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate because I still believe Winter Soldier wins this, but I'm trying to give Iron Man 3 its due. So, but the Tony Stark that we see in Iron Man 3, the one who is literally like in a essentially a bomb basement just constructing suits constantly yes he's doing it partially as a coping mechanism for his ptsd but it's also i've seen an invasion and i need to build essentially an army and this is how i do it so the tony stark that we see doing that i see the easy easy jump to the tony stark who makes ultron like that through line is really strong to me so I don't see it because Age of Ultron opens with, and here's my legion of Avengers bots to help, you know, do this thing. It's like, okay, that to me, the A to B is there was an invasion. He built the Avengers. He wanted to bulk out the Avengers. So he built Avengers bots. He has a vision about that not being enough. I don't see the 30 minutes of PTSD Tony building armor in the basement is not the necessary world. Is That is the only real thing that carries over i will get that's a small thing but that's the only thing that really carries over from this movie forward because it's not the mandarin it's not the iron patriot it's not extremist it's not the new marks of armor it's not anything else is really carried over from this movie yeah i can i can yeah, accept fair. that now i will i will say with pepper what what chris was saying i do think that so the thing that happens with pepper in the mcu is really interesting to me i know gwyneth paltrow has their issues whenever yeah. you bring that person up in discussion but pepper as a character is interesting because i know for a lot of my friends group pepper became by iron man 3 something of the um core is too strong a word but she became an not the but like an emotional center of of the mcu by being this she's almost got like a um like a mccoy to tony stark's kirk thing yeah kind of going exactly. on exactly and and the more we see that kind of conversation and the more we see, like, especially when they're bickering becomes what was in the first, like, it was always, you know, the romantic kind of undertone going on there. And then it becomes overt. And then it becomes, by the time we get into uh, Infinity War, like, for me, a lot of Tony Stark's emotional weight in Infinity War works because of that first scene with him and Pepper mm -hmm. just talking about, you know, stuff. And and a lot of what's going on in Iron Man 3 about Pepper take, being in control of the company, about him thinking he lost her, uh, about her, like, taking control of her. I mean, we never see her turn into rescue until Endgame. But the fact that I know at least one of my best friends, when we saw Iron Man 3 together, he was like, oh, are we going to see rescue next time? But you know, her putting on the, the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. But so Pepper becoming more like a character proper in Iron Man 3 that admittedly they didn't get to again they didn't really pay off until you know one scene in endgame but i still feel like there's a lot going on there with pepper's character that is important in iron man 3 and i feel like pepper is one of those characters that is deceptively important to to the mcu because of how deceptively important she is to tony stark's story and you know him being very very central to everything i don't believe she is as important emotionally to the MCU as Bucky is, though, which yep. is yep. why Winter Soldier still takes it, even when I consider this argument. But I do think it was worth mentioning. Yeah, and it just it for me, you know, his his exit from Endgame and, you know, talking to her on the thing, my brain for the first time in a while went back to Iron Man 3 and like when he had thought he lost her in, you know, at, in that movie. And it's like, oh, all right wow like because you like you said it took a little bit to pay off but it was really interesting that a character that like you said it's deceptive but um yeah no C captain america has such an incredible through line in all of his films and winter soldier is the strongest in taking him from the world war ii captain america which i still love that version of captain america the best and I love that they've kept, you know, that in his personality. But Winter Soldier just sets up the, you know, everything that is great about Captain America's storyline and story arc throughout these films. Yeah, and I, I and I know we, because I spend most of my time playing devil's advocate, but I, I don't think I can understate 
how important I think Bucky is and yep. the fact that Winter Soldier sets all like Bucky exists in in Captain America one, but he exists mostly there as a uh, hey, have you read the comics? You know what's because you here? know what we're doing here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Whereas Winter Soldier was for people like me who again, I when I grew up, I read Spider-Man comics and that was about it. So I honestly didn't know who Winter Soldier was. I am one of those people who didn't have it spoiled for me. It was a complete like no, surprise to me. Same, same for so. me. I, I, I somehow I, I read Captain America, you know, but I, I'm, I read comics in a weird way growing up where I'd grab like issues at random just cause I, you know, Oh, this looks cool. And I didn't really follow any long story arcs. I just kind of had smatterings of things all over the place. So I remember seeing Bucky, you know, get offed in the first movie and going, huh, that seems really important. I wonder what's going to happen there. And then went on with the rest of the movie. And I remember when they said Captain America, the next one's called the Winter Soldier. And I said to my brother, is that going to be Bucky? And he's like, what is like, do you want to know? And I'm like, no, I just want to know. Like in, in my head. And he goes, wait till the movie. And I remember sitting there and saying, I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking Bucky. I was right. This is great. Yeah. But the fact that the fact that Bucky is, is brought back the, the big emotional end fight scene between him and winter soldier oh, is so Cap good. literally being like, I'm not going to fight you because you're my friend, which then leads itself to civil war being literally more about, you know, Captain America's friendship with Bucky. The big emotional moment is, I'm sorry, Tony, he's my friend, and, you know, so was I. And again, showing, oh. like, who Cap is, and Bucky is the, in fact, that Bucky is the entire reason, essentially, for the conflict. And then the fact that after that, him going to Wakanda and being held there is the entire reason why we have that connection to Wakanda with Captain America for Infinity War to take vision to. It's like, Bucky becomes this so integral puzzle piece to to make the narrative things that happen further in the MCU work that it just a lot of it you well I'm not saying you couldn't do it without him but you'd have to completely rewrite Civil War and the the Captain America parts of Infinity War if you don't have Bucky in it so yep anyway so I'm in. Uh, if I'm understanding correctly, we all are still in agreement, right? That even after trying to give Iron Man three, devils do. Winter Soldier takes this, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right, then our choice for the 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 SmackDown for Phase Two of the MCU is Captain America Two: The Winter Soldier. Woo! Celebrate. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I I honestly thought when we started this, it was going to go to Guardians. So that's really cool. I had no predictions because I knew Guardians versus Winter Soldier was going to be this big, nitty gritty, nail bitey, putting hairs. One of them, one of them was going to edge it out by percentages, like tiny little percentages. Yeah. I'm still a little uncomfortable with it. Like, don't get me wrong. I feel really confident that Winter Soldier, I think, is more important as a viewing experience in the MCU, mostly because of the I like I didn't realize before this conversation how important Bucky is as far as I'm concerned. But it still feels really dirty because I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy deserves more, if that makes sense. We'd still be on it if Chris hadn't pointed out that there's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We can go, oh yeah, okay, that one fills some of the same niches. Okay, I can vote with confidence now. Guardians Guardians 2 successfully does, without getting into what we're, successfully does what Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, don't do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what I love about it. Oh man! Yeah, totally. Phase totally three is going to be. There's a lot of movies in Phase three, and they're all mostly good. There's a lot of good ones in Phase three. A lot three. of damn. Yeah, good this ones. was. We were lucky here because there was really only one difficult conversation. I feel like Phase three, we're going to have to, we're going to have to set up some rules to to make oh. that conversation go faster. But for now, Winter Soldiers are a winner, and we've been talking a little over an hour, so we're relatively good on time. But uh, it's at this point that we hand over our, our special soapbox, which at this point has got the shape of Chris's feet, like imprinted in the top. So, but here you go, Chris, stand in this box, plug whatever you want to plug. Or, or should we call it my ass? <laughs> yeah. Your ass groove. Sure. <laughs> my ass grooves in your couch. You ruined my ass groove. No. Um, Hey, uh, yes. And we, thank you guys so much. Yes. I'm Chris Chipman, AKA the Chippa. I do lots of things. Um, if you're interested, search for the Chippa made this and podcasts will show up. I make four of them. Um, they are the Chipman brothers tangent, uh, creating geeks, um, the talkbuster podcast and shooting the shit with Chippa. I 
Jesus, as of this recording, shooting the shit is almost at a hundred episodes. Talkbuster is almost at fifty. Uh, we're we're in we're in like the mid two hundred range on shows that I've made. It's crazy. Um, I uh, I attribute a lot of my continued. Uh, making of shows and the success of my shows to these wonderful gentlemen here who um, have just been great podcast friends from nearly the very beginning. Um, I also do some video shows. If you become a patron of mine at patreon.com slash the Chippa, you'll get this made the Chippa, which is a yearly recount of my life starting in 1984, going through films and events that happened that year and me kind of looking back on them and going, isn't that interesting that that happened then? And just saying stuff and talking about it. And I'm really enjoying enjoying making it um if you want like beer and like random conversations like this i do a show called hopped ones where uh it's like the spicy wing challenge show um hot ones but we drink beer 10 different beers and we try to make them weird and we just have quick little five minute conversations with each beer and those usually go longer than five minutes but it's a lot of fun and if you uh are interested in something that friends of mine are doing that I'm a co-host on. There's a newer show that's come out called fighting films. You can search fighting films podcast and find it. It's a spinoff of shooting the shit with Chippa. My friends, Stefan and Jess, who were frequent guests on that show decided to go out on their own and I'm helping support them and I'm part of it. And we're just having a grand old time and uh, listen to those. We pit films that are similar against each other. You know, films that are amazingly similar, like say Armageddon and deep impact. And you go to some, one steal a script from somebody and we decide which one's better or just talk about them kind of like this smackdown and have a good time and um i just like being on the internet and talking to people uh, that's me well we like that you're on the internet and that you talk to us specifically also other people too but you know <laughs> indeed it's great all right well then in that case uh Ulrich, why don't you take us into our outro all right, well, first, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things so you don't miss part three, which is really going to be a knockdown, drag-out brawl because we got some serious heavy hitters in there, and I have no idea how the hell we're going to handle that. Uh, let's see. If I'm doing... Because I did a prediction at the end of uh, at the end of the first one. If I'm doing a prediction now, I feel like, I feel like Civil War is a contender. I feel like Black Panther is going to be the biggest contender, personally. And and Guardians of the Galaxy two, obviously. If I if I were to take my my bets, it'd be those three. Even though personally, Ragnarok's my favorite movie in the phase. That's my prediction. It's going to come down to a battle between those three movies. Anyway, so thank you uh, again, as Ulrich said, and also thank Chris one more time for coming on and and chatting with us. So you're very welcome. I appreciate it as always. If you're listening to us right now, you must be listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. I don't know why I had such a hard time reading that this time, but thank you. And if there is another platform you'd rather us be on, then tell us what it is, and we will look into it when we can. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.